You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hi, my name is Paul Phelps, and I'm the co-founder of Outer Loop Coaching and OuterLoopCoaching.com, and I am here today to talk with you about four things you need to listen for in your demos. Demo, uh, the demo process is a huge part of the songwriting process and, and the pre-recording process. You want to do demos before you go into the studio. It'll make your songs better and it'll save you a ton of money while you're in the studio if you've got the song already done the way you need it to be. Now, some of these ideas are experiments. Not every experiment is going to work. Some of these experiments are going to fail miserably, but what they will always do is they're going to always help make your songs better. So let's dive right in. Number one is key and tempo. You want to try different ways of changing the keys in your songs or parts of your songs. If your song is in a major key, try it in a, in a minor key. Uh, try different chords. Try with an augmented seventh or whatever it is. Uh, music theory is not my thing. If you or somebody in your band is in uh, has some music theory knowledge, this is where to apply it. Try different things with the parts of your songs in order to make them better and more interesting. And what you may find as well is if you've got lyrics over a part of your song, when you change the key underneath those lyrics, it may give it more emotional impact. And that's what you're after. So give that a try. And the second part of this is tempo. Try playing the song faster. Try playing it slower. Try playing it really slow. Experiment with tempo and see if it makes a difference in the way that uh, uh, the, the song uh, ends up uh, delivering for you. And do it during your demo process. All right, so let's jump into number two. This isn't for everybody, but it might be something worth considering, and that's instrumentation. Uh, some bands, it's always going to be two guitars, bass, drums, vocals, that's it. But for most bands, and probably for yours, something worth considering is to try different instruments during the course of the song. Maybe it's a piano, maybe it's a string section, maybe it's a horn section, maybe it's some EDM. I don't know. But Demo process is the time to do it. It's the time to experiment with it and see if it makes a difference and makes your song better. Give it a try. There's plenty of software out there that'll at least mimic the sounds that you might have in your head when you start thinking about other instrumentation and you don't have to hire in a full orchestra. You can just give it a try with using your softwares. Okay, number three, arranging and timing. And what I mean by arranging and timing here is different from what I talked about in number one, key and tempo. With arranging and timing, I'm talking about where in the song different parts of the song happen. You may have your songs uh, pretty often are always a verse and then the pre-chorus and then the chorus and then a verse and then a bridge and then a chorus or whatever it is. You may have gotten into a pattern that you need to break out of. You may need uh, this particular song that you're working on may need a change in how it's arranged as far as what parts go where. So try different things. Try putting the chorus up top. Try um, uh, creating a, a pre-chorus that you haven't done before. Try putting a uh, 
uh, a bridge and then going into a verse instead of going into the chorus. All sorts of different things you can do with that. Definitely give it a try during your demo process. All right, fourth thing, and this is the last one, and this is you need to listen for outside input. Do not keep your demos a secret. Do not make it so that nobody ever has a chance to give you some advice on how to make your song better. If you have somebody in your social circle that you trust, somebody who's written great songs that you admire, take their advice or at least consider taking their advice. Of course, if your gut tells you that somebody's telling you something that just doesn't make any sense and it's not going to work for you or the song, then ignore it. But consider playing that you trust and yeah, consider taking some of their advice in, in hand. You may find not only a potential great collaborator for the future, but you may also find that some of their really great ideas are things that you just didn't think of, and it makes the song better. So give it a shot. All right. So this is Paul from Outer Loop Coaching, outerloopcoaching.com. I've got a free ebook for you that was written by Outer Loop Group's Mike Mowry, the president of Outer Loop Records, president of Outer Loop Management, and it's all about music managers, the music manager primer. It's free. Just come to outerloopcoaching.com and, and grab, download this ebook. I've got it for you. If you want a manager, if you want to be a manager, if you just want to know what a manager does, this is the ebook for you. Just come on down, come get it. We've got a bunch of other really great courses uh, at the website as well. So we'd love to have you come by. All right. Uh, I will see you next week. Next week, we're going to talk about who wrote the song and how much of the song should be owned by who. So I think this is going to be some uh, good advice. I look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. This podcast is propelled by your input and feedback, so please rate and review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. I am your host, Mr. Blasco, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, Mr. Mike Mauer. What up, what up, Blasco? 101, just like that freeway cruising down your cool state of California, buddy. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, in the last episode, we chatted about industry predictions for 2019. That was a really great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we talk about more industry predictions for 2019. This is going to be killer, so let's get mental. Oh, yeah. So, Mike, today we continue the Bobby Owinski's 10 music industry predictions for 2019. Today we tackle uh, six through 10, and the last episode we did uh, one through five. So if you missed that, go back one and check it out. Uh, it was pretty cool. And uh, anyway, it starts off like this. Predictions can be a tricky thing, but if we look at the trends in the music business over the last year, we can see where things might be going. Here are five more predictions for how the industry will fare in 2019. 
according to Bobby Owinsky, mind you. Uh, number one, streaming services remain unprofitable. Almost all dedicated streaming services are very good at what they do except for one thing, making money. Choked by the weight of label licensing deals, these platforms struggle to find a way to become profitable, leading to a major market consolidation that begins in the new year. Yeah, I mean, essentially, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, you know, you mentioned tech and uh, the number of startups. I mean, that's really what a, a streaming service is. You know, they happen to have music as their thing that they're delivering, but inevitably, you know, much like we saw before us in the kind of movie and TV space, um, you know, there's a lot of different players. And the challenge is, you know, the difference between this space and the movie TV space is, you know, this one really kind of unfolded in a slow and sloppy manner. And so though we do have a lot of them, I think your great comparison of Spotify and Apple as Coke and Pepsi and, you know, in reflecting on that episode, you know, we'll see what happens with Amazon. Do they come out and become uh, RC Cola <laughs> trying to think of what another <laughs> software giant is? Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we already saw we've watched SoundCloud kind of battle things time to time. You know, the idea of going bankrupt, we're continuing to see more and more mergers and consolidations. And so I think, uh, you know, all of that stems out of the fact that no matter what business you're in, if you don't have enough cash, you know, if there's not enough uh, money at the end of your month, uh, you're in trouble. And so, you know, if you're a, one of the giants and you are able to, you know, and you've got the resources to gobble up some of these other ones, I think we are going to see that happen. Here's something to chew on. Um, I sat, I was on a plane and I sat next to a tech guy years ago. And I know he wasn't full of shit because he ended up connecting me with someone actually at Spotify. And, and he knew I was in music and he was in tech. So that was the thing that kind of connected us was Spotify. Um, and I kind of brought up this thing to him. I go, yeah, it's, it's so interesting how they're, you know, how they, they're not profitable. I mean, which, you know, is kind of a gray area because I'm pretty sure that people that work there make money. So there's profit somewhere, but, um, but, but he was saying, it's interesting to think about. He was saying that the reason why they're not profitable is because they spend an exorbitant, a large amount of, of their, their, uh, you know, whatever their income or their profits or whatever. They spend a large of that on expansion in that Spotify is trying to get legs in every country that has music, which is everyone, right? And and so their focus is really on putting boots on the ground in every country and taking and owning streaming in every country across the world. He says, if they stop doing that, they could flip the switch and become profitable tomorrow. Now, whether or not any of that shit is true, I don't know. And I'm sure that there's a lot more factors that are involved of things that they're spending, you know, money on. Um, but I thought that was interesting that, uh, you know, to think of that because you know that it's true. Like, you know, that the way that they're going to gain ground, right. Or, or because even though Apple has less subscribers than they do, clearly Apple is a stronger brand just in general. 
right? So th- th- I think Spotify's got to position themselves to think of like, hey, look, we're we're trying to catch up to Apple. It's not vice versa. Yeah, and it, I mean, you know, to break it down in the simplest form from what you said, which of course makes sense and is you know kind of the dilemma of any business as they're trying to grow is, yeah, I mean, you're when you're generating money. Where does that money go? You know, does it go to your employees and, you know, your your CEO? Uh, does it go to your, um, you know, uh, to your investors if you, you know, are, are a public company um, or your shareholders rather? Or, you know, does it go back into business development in some capacity? I mean, heck, if you and I go out and play a show and we make a thousand bucks, you know, are we profitable? Well, it depends. You know, what did it cost us to get there? Yada, yada, yada. And then inevitably, even if we profit money, if we take that money and put it back into, you know, our operation, buy new gear or what have you, we could always show that we are not profitable. So, um, yeah, I mean, when, you know, I think it makes sense for Spotify, like you said, to, to sort of look at Apple as the, 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 you know, Goliath in this sense and and trying to chase them because Apple is, you know, worldwide, the more established brand and does kind of have those boots on the ground already in every territory. Yep. Uh, prediction number two of 2019, article 13 brings YouTube chaos. Be careful what you wish for major labels as YouTube is plunged into chaos following the passage of EU Article 13, which holds streaming platforms responsible for the files that their users upload, with YouTube and other streaming platforms having to purge so many videos, artists and labels take a big hit in revenue, but even worse in exposure as well. Yeah, this isn't something I heard about, but, uh, you know, just the the <laughs> the title of Article 13 and chaos, mm-hmm. it makes it sound like a good punk show uh, yeah. from you know, <laughs> Philadelphia or something back in the 90s. So I'm excited about it, regardless of what it is. But yeah, I mean, I could see how, you know, I mean, YouTube has kind of been the wild, wild west. And, you know, part of its beauty, you know, is that it did figure out how to allow users to use copywritten material and have the the rights holder actually, you know, monetize it. I think that was such a game changer because there's nothing more frustrating than if you were, you know, if you and I were streaming a video of this or I took a picture of it and, you know, played some music in the background and that gets shut down. I mean, it sort of defeats the purpose of trying to allow every person have their own channel. So when they notice when their fingerprinting services identified music that was copywritten. And if that copyright holder, you know, greenlit it or actually white, you know, I guess they call it, you know, whitelisted it. Um, so yeah, this could be a major game changer. Um, and it wasn't something that, that was even on my radar. You know, this is why there's a consistent narrative about the importance of bands owning and using their own mailing lists. Um, you can't control what you don't own. And I mean, think of MySpace. I mean, that literally ended overnight. And the amount of effort that went into building your MySpace platforms and using it for marketing and promotion and touring, right? And like branding it and putting all this time and effort into or whatever, 
they, it literally was over overnight. Right. And people scrambled. They didn't know what to do. All we had was Facebook at the time and Facebook was like so lame. Right. And, and it took a while to, for it to come around. And I honestly, I don't even know that we've really recovered. I mean, potentially YouTube is, is the thing that maybe kind of helped save it in, in, in some regard way later after the fact. But the point here is, is that it's like you're, you're totally going to suffer whenever algorithms change, advertising becomes the, the MO, um, for, for like whenever they go out of business, whenever they get acquired and then, and then the acquisition doesn't, you know, take you into account, you spend all this time building followers and what happens when they're all gone? You know, and anyway, my point is, is that this is why bands need mailing lists and you have to get those names because as if you have that, then you can always message them. Let's just say you, you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, Instagram goes out of business. You lost all those followers, right? If you don't have a mailing list of people that you can contact and be like, Hey, we're still here. We're going to be over here at this other place now that we go, go follow us over there or, or whatever, you know, still letting you know we're on tour, still letting you know that, you know, you can, there's shirts to buy, right? If you don't have that, you're fucked. And this is a pretty good indicator that those things can happen. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. Uh, number three, prediction for 2019. Artists use social media for promo less. Many artists have relied on social media as a method of both growing and engaging their fan bases, but that changes in 2019 as the only way to large-scale engagement comes from paid promotion on the various social platforms. Many artists drop off because of principle, even more because of the cost. Instagram carries the load, at least for a while, until it focuses more on revenue than users." Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there was such a shakeup and, you know, it, it's so exciting in the way that there's disruption almost at every turn. And I think where there's a will, there's a way um, and something else will emerge. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Either the company itself, you mentioned MySpace, kind of 
you know, pivots when they're trying to go from something that, you know, for those of us that are on the ground level is a very important and resourceful tool, uh, you know, to something that they're really trying to monetize and we're seeing it again. And, you know, sadly, it, it always seems to happen. And you can't blame them for the same reason that we're talking about above in point number one, where streaming services are unprofitable. You know, it, there's only so much time you have until, you know, your, your shareholders want to see or your investors want to see a return. And so the, the, the first thing you do is go out and just get, you know, acquire users. And, you know, social media platforms have done a really good job of that. All right. Now, how do you take that and put it into something tangible like dollars and that's where you start to lose, you know, the favor of the artists who really thought, oh man, we've got this amazing platform that we can use to game the system. I mean, essentially it's free freaking advertising or has been for so long. Now that that's going to change, we are going to see, you know, some sort of shakeup. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious to see what it actually looks like. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like if you're an independent artist in, you know, 2019, you got to stay on your toes. And, you know, there's, and it's kind of like what I was saying about the previous item. And number two, it's like, it, it's like, look, if Instagram and Facebook change to where only 5% of your following sees your, sees your post, unless you start paying to boost your post, there's nothing you can do about it. You can bitch and complain and put all the, you know, like algorithms are fucking with me. Can you please like my post so that it'll get seen more? Like you can do that shit all day long, but there's, you have no control over it. Right. And the only thing that you like I said, the only thing that you can control is what you own. Now is a good time to start taking mailing lists seriously because there is going to be no stopping. This is not going to go in reverse. More people aren't going to start seeing your posts and there won't be less advertising on Facebook and Instagram. There just, will, there just will not be. And the more that they can get people to pay to boost their posts, then you either have to be willing to invest that or you have to hack the algorithms the best that you can, or you have to accept the fact that you're going to lose and what options are there because whining is not going to change anything. Yeah. I mean, inevitably all of these are short-term strategies, right? I mean, you and I have watched artists have flourishing careers and they've withstood the uh, advent of social media. And then as the platforms continue to change and some of that is, yes, they continue to use strategies like direct, um, you know, direct ownership of the way that they contact their fans. And that, no matter what it looks like, whether it's a mailing list, uh, you know, from old school days where you're literally sending things out via U.S. mail or, you know, in this day and age, um, social media or in the event of places like Facebook, you know, starting your own groups where you're really able to go in and cultivate a community. And, you know, I guess, yeah, the good news is, you know, it, when, it, when you're in this for the long haul, you know, it really goes back to the basics that Blasco and I talk about all the time. You know, it's about really having great music. It's about, you know, uh, rewarding your fans time and time again, no matter how big or small your fan base is and, you know, really keeping an active dialogue with them. So 
even though it is frustrating to have to jump and jump and jump, it's all kind of part of the fun as well. Um, and for a little while you do, you know, you might look into some, some free tools that allow you to, you know, jump a few levels than you would have if everything just remained the same. Yep. Uh, prediction number four for 2019, live music legends replaced by new faces. The concert industry has long worried about what would happen after the 60s, 70s, and 80s legends stopped touring, but a new crop of superstars proved that there are stadiums that they can fill. The live portion of the industry continues to grow despite higher ticket prices and perceived price gouging. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that you can't replace is the experience and the you know, we still live, no matter how much access you have via the new tools that exist, there's nothing better than saying I was there, right? Mm -hmm. I was, uh, <laughs> I was talking to a, a guy who works in, in comedy and they were talking about, you know, specific tapings of shows and how, you know, when they are dealing with certain comedians, some of them don't want to say that the show is being taped because they fear that they're going to get people who, you know, show up for the wrong reasons or show up with the intention of heckling or whatever it may be. But inevitably, whenever they do, more people come or at least they buy the tickets faster. And, you know, I think that's a result of just as when I've been at certain, you know, uh, events like that, you want to say that you were there. And so I do think that live music will continue to flourish I do think that the faces will continue to change just because some of the older, you know, names are, are, you know, reaching their expiration date as far as being able to go perform. Um, but inevitably, you know, I think, uh, I, I think, yeah, it's just, uh, you, you're not going to be able to replace that experience um, until some, you know, until some sort of technology comes in and uh, still then I don't even know if that'll be possible. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I hope this is right, but I mean, you know, like I'm on a, I'm on an artist farewell tour now, right. When, you know, and there's a bunch of people that show up to our gigs, right. They're all there. They're happy. They're having a good time. Uh, you know, it, but you're right. It's the experience. It's the reason why the shirt with the tour dates on the back is always the biggest seller because it's the proof that I was there. I remember being there. This is my keepsake from this. I was, I was there. It was the experience. And, um, are they going to be, is Ozzy Osbourne going to be replaced by someone new? I don't know. I mean, not, not specifically, but, but more importantly, are Ozzy fans going to stop finding music they like and stop going to gigs just because Ozzy stops touring? No, I don't think so. I, I, you know, I, I, I really don't think so. I don't really think that I go, well, that was the last time I'm going to go to a concert. I, I don't think anyone <laughs> walks out of it, out of an Aussie farewell show and thinks that, um, you know, and, um, you know, there's always going to be a new crop of, uh, of bands and look, I mean, are, are can we replace Kiss, ACDC, Ozzy, Aerosmith, Metallica? No, it's not, it's not apples for apples, but like there's, there's up and comers and there's, and there's no shortage of bands that are still showing up and doing arenas and doing festivals and, you know, and, 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 uh, and the festivals, I mean, there, there you go. I mean, right there, it's just like, you know, the United States has really taken on the whole, 
two, three day festival idea from Europe. And, and that is working, you know, in a real significant way. Um, you know, I think Danny Wimmer started off with five festivals and now he's got like 20 or something, you know? So, um, and that's just him. Think of all the other festivals that aren't even his. Um, so, um, yeah, man, like, uh, you know, I agree. I, I, I don't agree that music legends are being replaced, but I believe that the fans still want the experience. That's the way I would word it. Yeah. Every generation, you know, kind of has their own, you know, uh, sentimental artists and, it's just uh, uh, the nature of time and how time works as we move further and further away from the decades where certain artists were most popular and we will inevitably replace them. You know, it'll go a little bit, you know, slow, but yeah, that, that experience is something that I still covet. And I know many others do as well. Music prediction number five for 2019, streaming changes song structure even more. Over the last couple of years, song structure has changed because of streaming, with fades giving way to beginning a song right on the chorus to hard endings. Now song length will be the next to change as artists make songs shorter. After all, it's more profitable to have a fan listen twice instead of to only one longer song. This is really interesting. And I don't think in the genres that you and I typically specialize in, we're going to see a ton of this, or at least I haven't noticed it yet. But I do agree that, you know, the way that people consume things does require or does, you know, allow for, um, yeah, just the development of different tactics and it, this would make sense to me um you know for the reasons that he states think of this mike think of and matt and just but just fill your brain with this idea right now back in the day an artist makes an album in that album there is a song that is the standout song that is going to go to radio now that song maybe was four minutes long Maybe it was five minutes long, right? It Now, radio format prefers songs to be three minutes and 30 seconds. So the label would do what we would call a radio edit and send that to radio. And it was a different version than what was on the album. So isn't it logical that there will now be the <laughs> streaming edit that is Two minutes and 25 seconds. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And and I guess what his point is that is we may not even get that longer version. It may just be mm -hmm. not even the edit. It may just be that things do uh, come by that way. And yeah, I think you're exactly right. It, it, it absolutely makes sense given the history that, yeah, we adapt to uh, what the, the strongest um, – you know, promotional platform is. Let it be known, man Managemental Episode 101 called the Streaming Edit in 2019. <laughs> we called it already. It's, it, it's, it, has, it doesn't exist, but it, it will exist now, and we called it. Hell yeah. I <laughs> thought you were going to say that we were going to edit our, our – <laughs> We were just going to edit our versions down to be about five minute long podcast, but I'm glad, I'm glad that we still get to talk yeah. just as long as we want. Totally. Well, that concludes episode 101. Uh, thank you for tuning in. 
We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And if you're looking for a way to take your career just a bit further, head on over to OuterLoopCoaching.com to download the free music management primer, uh, as well as check out the the products that we have available there. Blasco, uh, thanks for putting together another great episode. It's fun to do this second half of the predictions, and I I look forward to the time that we get to reflect and see if if our boy Bobby Owinski was uh, you know if he was batting better a better percentage than we did last year. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, everyone. Peace. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.